0: You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning. Let's come to God's Word once again. You can open up to Romans 10. We'll be reading in just a little bit. Um, I have one. Before we show a picture from last week, I've got one sound booth apology to make. Anybody that was here last week will remember the sound. It was like an exclamation mark on Milt's prayer. I have to take responsibility. That was my fault. Uh, Earlier in the week, I was messing with the soundboard to get something back in the nursery and hit just one button, and that's what did it. So anyway, that was not Caleb's fault, even though Caleb's not even here today to hear this apology, but it was not his fault. So appreciate their work every week, and Harrison and Weston filling in today. Thank you guys for being back there. So Harrison, let's show that picture from last week. This is... Apostle, Apostle, this is from Otto, from Otto of White, and I appreciate this picture, Apostle. We looked at um, the Apostle as those that are sent, and we were talking in Romans 10 about those sent. How are they to preach unless they are sent, and how are they to hear unless they're preaching, and how are they to hear and believe and so forth, and so Otto captured that, so appreciate that. Well, let's come to God's Word now, and... uh, look at it. I want to start again in verse 14 of Romans chapter 10. We already, we read some of this in Sunday school class already as we thought about, or thought about this in class there a little bit in the video. And then our concentration today is going to be on verses 18 through 21, basically the end of the chapter here. So let me start in verse 14. Let's listen to God's word. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me, but of Israel, he says, "All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people." Let's pray once again. Father, I do prayer and pray and just echo what Dave has asked already—that your Spirit would work amongst us as we open up your Word. Lord, we just pause and recognize again the words that we have just read and the words before us in your Bible are your word. It's not just another book, not just a good book. It is the book, the book of truth. Thank you, Lord, for Devin sharing today, pointing us again to the God who is the focus of this book of truth Jesus Christ, the Son, our Savior your rescue plan for sinners. Father, as we study this particular section now, I, I pray for understanding. I pray for wisdom. I pray as I deliver this, Lord, that you would bless our time in your word together. And Lord, what needs to be heard in each heart, what needs to be challenged, what needs to be encouraged, Lord, might you do that through your spirit, through your word. So guide us now, we pray in your name. Amen. I'll throw in a little bit of Mother's Day illustration. Moms, I wonder if you have ever laid down your head at night on the pillow and said, it has been a long day. Fathers, maybe that's the same case, or others. It's not just unique to moms, but perhaps moms. And in this regard, you say, what a long day it has been. Maybe what you mean is it's been a long day with the kids and maybe just not kids in diapers either, but maybe it's transporting them around or it's getting them to a doctor's appointment or they've just been a disobedient and contrary lot in your day. There, there is joy in parenting. Moms, you know this joy. There's much joy and there is exhaustion. There's caring for these young ones and then disciplining them in their times of disobedience. Today, to just kind of tie it in, Paul takes us to Israel, the children of God, if you will. And though they've heard and they ought to have understood the word of Christ, we read, we just read in verse 21, All day long I have held out my hands, God says, to a disobedient and contrary people. God knows the long day, and yet God is never exhausted God knows what it is to deal with a disobedient child. And yet, in this passage even, and we're going to work through all these quotes and Old Testament things, in this passage, there is a glimmer of God's grace and patience and God's long-suffering of the one who says, My child, come to Jesus. And we're going to see that in the midst of this hearing and understanding and all these things that are in here. So, in, as we begin, as we look at We're going to start in verse 18, but just it's helpful to remember where we've been in the context because I don't think it just kind of starts again or Paul starts fresh in 18. It's kind of a, there is a continuation here. In verse 15, if you look up just a bit, Paul quotes Isaiah. There's just quotes all over the place of the Old Testament, which again backs up. Christ is in the old, revealed in the new, shadows, we see him in the new. Verse 15, Paul quotes Isaiah. He quotes of these, these beautiful feet of those who preach good news. But by verse 16, we find what? They have not all obeyed the gospel. Not obeyed the gospel. Again, as we looked at last week, this is not obedience-based righteousness, but it's obedience in relation to the hearing and so the believing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One submits to, one believes on the Lord Jesus alone, or rejects this gospel and faces eternal destruction. But Paul here, through Isaiah in verse 16, he's pointing out that not all obey the gospel. They did not in Isaiah's day, and not in ours. Nonetheless, as we see through verse 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ And now we come to another question in verse 18. A lot of questions in Romans. I believe my count was 82. I don't know which one this is of them. But look at this question, verse 18. Paul says, But I ask, have they not heard? He says, Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So last week I emphasized, the the message of the gospel, it's a word-driven message. That those sent to preach, they're to use words to communicate the truths of this gospel. How are they to hear unless someone goes and is sent and preaches to them that they might believe and then call on the name of the Lord? And yet here now it might seem that Paul just cancels all of last week out. Like actually, you know, the voice and words they have gone out, they've already heard. And so the wording here, though, is, is such that even, even in the sense, have they not heard? The, the wording is, indeed, they have. They have heard. So, so now what's going on? I thought, they haven't heard. we need to go, go out and preach. Now what's going on? One difficulty, my difficulty, is to establish one word in this first question, who is they? But I ask, have they not heard? Who's the they? Some see this, and I think there's, there's right looks both ways. Some see this as referring to Israel. But I ask, has Israel not heard? And so there's, the focus is shifting to Israel. I think there's, there's good reason for that. Others, to the Gentiles, kind of a broad, have they not, with, maybe think, all heard? Doug Moo gives a bit of both in his answer. He says, Paul is speaking generally about all people, but with special reference to Israel. That's sort of helpful to us. It's kind of a both, both type of answer. My answer, I have to, at the end of the day, say quite simply, and it's humbling, I don't know. I don't know who the they is, Israel or Gentiles. Paul didn't make it specific here, but by verse 19, he does. Let's think a little bit more on it. I I am drawn towards Israel just because of the, the context, both before this verse and after it. So I'm drawn towards that's the they here, but I can't, again, rule out the Gentiles. We've got kind of wording like all the earth that we see there. Their voice has gone out to all the earth. We're going to sit on that for now, but I want you to head. I am making up this week for, there has been a lot of scriptures we've not turned to. We're going to turn to most of them this week. So I want you to turn to Psalm 19. Psalm chapter 19. I want you to look here. Beautiful psalm. This is the psalm that Paul is quoting from in verse 18 that we just read from. So Psalm 19, in particular, it's going to be verse 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. We're going to come to Psalm 19. There's another quote in here that Paul's going to use from Deuteronomy, just to give you a heads up, and then another one from Isaiah, actually two from the same place. And a few others we'll mix in. But we're going to get our work out here in the Bible, but that's okay. Psalm 19, again, a beautiful passage To declare what? Creation. Creation testifies to God's glory. Let me read verses 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Here it is. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Creation testifies to God's glory. Typically, these verses of Psalm 19 are said to refer to God's General general revelation, his general revelation, and that it's a revelation through nature, through creation, and in this God reveals himself. It's different than how God reveals himself in his word or the scriptures. If you keep reading in the in this psalm, even you come to the rest of it and where it talks about the law of the Lord and the testimony testimony of the Lord and the commandments of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord. And so, so that's God's special revelation, what he's written. So general creation, what he's written, his special revelation. And it's through God's special revelation that we're given the gospel, the salvation of God found only in Jesus Christ. Creation echoes, hints at this, gives us an idea. God's written word then reveals this. Okay, so now connect that. What's Paul getting at? with backing up his question in verse 18, Have they all heard? Indeed they have. And he uses a quote from Psalm 19. And I think there's, there's maybe two connected ideas here of maybe what Paul is up to. One of two, or both together. Number one concerns the hearing of just general revelation, of creation. Even without a clear biblical revelation of Jesus Christ, all people hear of God. He has made himself known. How do we know that? If we've been in Romans, we know that from Romans 1. So on our way back, let's stop at Romans chapter 1. I want you to see these verses once again. God has made himself known. So Romans chapter 1, particular, I'll start even in verse 18 and read through 21 here. On your way back, Come back into the New Testament. Acts, Romans, verse 18 of chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, And divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. That's Psalm 19 language. So, Paul says, they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Men, everywhere, on remote islands, distant lands, have enough general revelation to know who God is. And yet not all have heard the gospel. That's Paul's point in what we studied last week. To be sent to preach that it might be heard. The gospel needs to be preached. And just a side kind of question here that might come up, well, what about those who have never heard the gospel? What about that remote island? Are they still condemned then found this interesting article quote from an article by matt Smethurst. i think i'm saying his, his name right he writes this regard, regarding the so-called innocence of the the tribesman this this man on the island who's never heard the gospel is that is that one innocent you know that, that can they get to heaven one day and say well I, you know no judgment i've never heard the gospel i never heard here's what he says and it's in reference to what we just read Paul's argument is that God's revelation in nature is sufficient only to condemn, not to save. Though the man on the island knows God, he suppresses the truth, that's verse 18, perceptible in nature and is therefore without excuse. He writes this, Humans aren't guilty because they haven't heard the gospel. They're guilty because they haven't honored their Creator. In other words, not because of the absence of something, faith, but because of the presence of something, rebellion. So he finishes. So will God condemn, or that's actually a question here. So will God condemn the innocent tribesmen who has never heard the name of Christ? No, because there are no innocent tribesmen. There is none that are innocent. All are under condemnation. God has made Himself known. There is So in that sense, there's a hearing in all creation that's already gone out to all. But even in this hearing, though they knew God, they didn't worship God. They exchanged Him for lies. And then as Romans, as the last verse of Romans 1 says, verse 32, they deserve to die. They know that those people who do these things deserve to die to die. So there's, there's one going out generally hearing. Number two, though, another idea, there seems to be a tie to gospel proclamation from Psalm 19. Try to hang on with this. Psalm 19, there's a voice going out. There's a gospel tie to that voice going out. This is something John Murray refers to, and you can turn back to Romans 10, 18. John Murray notes a parallel between Psalm 19, the voice going out, the glory of God, and the gospel going out. Here's what he says. Uh, Since the gospel proclamation is now to all without distinction, it is proper to see the parallel between the universality of general revelation, that's where we were, Psalm 19, and the universalism of the gospel. The former is the pattern now followed in the sounding forth of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's connecting that, the going out of creation, and now the going out of the glory of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. It's an interesting connection, maybe helpful. So, all have heard to some degree, that's general revelation, and now the gospel is being proclaimed in the whole world by the apostles initially, we're reading from them, and then their disciples, Paul, I don't think he means here the gospel's been preached everywhere yet. You know, forget being a missionary. Pack up the bags. Never mind. Forget the preaching. The work's done. Everybody's heard. I don't think he's saying that. And we can say that even just because Romans 15, if you look it up, there's a couple of verses. I didn't write which ones they are. Paul there talks about preaching Christ to a place really that's not yet heard of him. But like Psalm 19 and creation declaring God's glory, so the glory of Christ is going forth in the gospel. So on the day of judgment, none are going to be able to say, But I didn't know. God has made himself known in creation. And then, if we take the they here to mean Israel, which I think is possible, Israel herself has heard this word of Christ. Now, the narrowing of what have they heard? Heard of God and creation, now hearing of Christ. So the gospel is going out to the world. Indeed, we might say Israel has heard. But have they understand what have they understood what they heard? Verse 19 and another question. And it's going to take us all the way to verse 21. Look at verse 19 now. So Paul, another question, but I ask, did Israel not understand? Maybe they heard, did they understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. So the answer in verse 18 to the question, have they heard? What's the answer? Yes, they have. Indeed, they have. I think it's the same in verse 19, that same idea. Has Israel understood? Yes, they have. Or maybe, maybe you could put in here a kind of a kind of a they should have understood. All right, now, then there's this quote, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. What is Paul, how is he throwing this in here? Let's head back to the source again, back to Deuteronomy now, verse chapter 32. If you come back into the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you come to Deuteronomy and chapter 32. We were just in 30 just a week, a couple weeks ago. Now, chapter 32 Just find your way there generally. I'm going to read a little bit from 31. We're going to come to the place, this is where Paul is going to pull this text from. And I alluded that we're going to be reading a song here, the song of Moses. It's a song of testimony, but it's not like a positive song, as I mentioned maybe before. It's really a song of condemnation. It's a testimony in a negative way. Listen to the to what God's going to instruct in chapter 31, verse 19. This kind of gives us the context of this song that Moses is writing. God says here, he says, Now therefore write this song. This is Deuteronomy 31, 19. Write this song. Teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land, flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers... And they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them, and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song, this song, shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. Talk about not getting a song out of your head. This one won't be to live unforgotten for i know what they are inclined to do even today before i have brought them into the land that i swore to give so moses wrote this song the same day taught it to the people of israel what a song to learn well, part of that song paul is going to use and it confronts israel and it ought i think as paul uses it it ought to confront them as he's writing to the jews and the gentiles in rome now look at Uh, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 18. We'll start there and then I'll point out where Paul is coming from. Now verse 18 in Deuteronomy 32. This is part of the song. I don't know how the tune went, but... You were unmindful, you Israel, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you and you forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw it and spurned them because of the provocation of His sons and His daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. Here it is. So I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. If you can remember back to Romans chapter 9, you'll remember back another group called no people or not a people. Paul was using that quote from Hosea. And that was really relating the not a people, the no people here to the Gentiles. God would bring judgment upon Israel in the form of a people called no people to become really the people of God. Now, and they're going to make them. Israel's going to become jealous of this. Again, on your way back to Romans, stop in Acts chapter 13. Are you enjoying the Bible drills today? Acts 13. This is just, it's kind of fascinating as it just shows up. I don't think it's the only place, but Acts 13 has a helpful record. Of, it just gives us a picture of, okay, I will make you, God says to Israel, I'm going to make you jealous of this people that are really no people. And we've got, at least in part, an account in Acts 13. In particular, I'm going to start in verse 38 here. Paul is midway in a a Sabbath day sermon in Antioch. Paul has proclaimed the Savior that God brought to Israel. The Savior is Jesus. And it's this Jesus whom God raised from the dead. I'm going to start in Acts 13, 38. So Paul Continues to preach, he says to these, to it's to to these men of Israel. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed. From everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. It almost sounds like our 10-4 verse. Christ is the end of the law. This is Christ. You're freed. Everything you couldn't from the law of Moses, you are in Christ. Verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. As they went out, I'm going to keep reading, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Preaching, hearing, sent, you hear it? Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. There's Psalm 19, maybe, language. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 32 is right in front of their eyes. They're jealous of this proclamation of the gospel, this crowd. Israel ought to have understood both their judgment for crucifying the Son of God and his outstretched hand to save them by the same Son. All right, one more place, back to Romans 10 briefly on our little journey this morning. Now, the last two verses of chapter 10. Now we're going to get to Isaiah. We've been to the Psalm, Psalms, Psalm 19. Moses in Deuteronomy, now Isaiah. Verse 20, Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Did Israel understand? Moses speaks, Isaiah speaks now, and he is said to be speaking boldly, I think his boldness is to imply that a people not even looking for God or asking for him, they found him. But the particular nation and people God had called to himself, out of all the others, this Israel, they, out of all them, were a rebellious people. And both of these texts, again, come from Isaiah, and in particular, chapter 65. So, come with me one more time. Back to the Old Testament, back and forth we go to Isaiah chapter 65, and you will see these here, Isaiah 65. Now before we look at these verses, a couple of verses from chapter 63 and 64 to just give us a summary of the people as Isaiah is writing here. Verse 19 of Isaiah 63, it's really the last verse. There's some descriptions here. We have become like those over whom you, Lord, have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. That's what Israel was like in their rebellion. Uh, Chapter 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That's some of the background. And I would just encourage you, if you have time... Your minds maybe spin spinning as you're thinking through these passages, these things. Take time, you, even maybe Isaiah 63, but at least 64, 65, 66. And you're just going to see the themes. And I think even the themes of Romans 9 and 10 going on here in Isaiah. And you kind of, you're clued in as you've been looking at these places to this. It's just an interesting, time won't let us read the whole thing, but we um, just want to encourage you that way. All right, well, we get to verse 1 of Isaiah 65. And I'll read this again. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I to a nation that was not called by my name. How bad off is Israel? God is ready to be sought out and found out by a nation not even seeking or asking for him. To a nation not called by my name. And yet God says twice, here am I, here am I. And I wonder, would this not provoke jealousy in Israel? I mean, Israel, they're the called people. It was they who had the law. And we saw that in the beginning of Romans 9. They've got the covenants. They've got the patriarchs. This is Israel. And God's showing and revealing himself to a people. They're not even seeking at all. They're not even asking for him. This is going on here. Isaiah continues in verse 2, and now familiar with with our verse 21 in Romans 10. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. Even verse 3, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks. You get a sense here of the contrast of Israel and her God. In Isaiah here, they're called a rebellious people. In Romans, Paul quotes the the Greek translation here of the the Hebrew. They're called a disobedient and contrary people. If you even look at verse 12 of chapter 65, you get a sense of the judgment upon unbelieving Israel, where God says, I will destine you to the sword, and all of you shall bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen but you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. But in the midst of this judgment and being found by a people who were not even looking for him in verse 2, what's the attitude? If we look here, what's the attitude and posture of God towards this disobedient and contrary people? His hands are out all the day. If you head back to Romans chapter 10, and now we'll stay here. (laughs) Back to chapter 10, look again how Paul puts it here, of Israel. He says, verse 21, all day long I have held out my hands. You get a sense, one sense of God's long suffering toward his own. They're here. This is a wonderful picture of God's hand held out to a rebellious people. And at a certain hour and on a certain day, that hand of mercy and grace will be gone. And it will be replaced by a hand of judgment, righteous judgment for those who have what? Who have not obeyed the gospel. So the gospel is indeed, it's the rebel, it's the rebel's only Hope. By grace, by the grace of God, by God's grace, the sinner takes hold of the gracious hand of God for salvation. Next week, we're going to come into chapter 11 and a question, has God rejected His people forever? But for now, I just want to try to bring to a close just a few main points here. Try to wrap up all the places we have been even in this short time, together. So a couple thoughts, a couple points. Number one, God's ways, once again, are inscrutable. Like our other studies, Paul grabs this Old Testament, Psalm, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, this verse and that verse, to show really the complex, at times, the complex ways of God here. That, that God uses Gentiles, those not a nation, to make Israel jealous and then bring a remnant to himself. And we're going to see this again in, in chapter 11. But though God is complex, his ways are complex, man remains responsible for what he has heard, whether it be through creation that's making known God or through the gospel that is being proclaimed. Man is responsible for that. He cannot say, I didn't know. There's no excuse. Some would preach through this part. So God's ways are inscrutable. Number two. Israel remains largely, not all, but largely in disbelief and opposition to what? To the word of Christ. Or to quote verse 16, they have not all obeyed the gospel. They have heard, they've understood, or ought to have understood. And God's merciful hand here is held out even to a rebellious people. Again, after so much prophecy, so many covenants, this law, the writings, and on and on, they have, in fact, missed the God of their salvation in the person and work of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. They missed it, not seeing Him as the gospel, as the hope, as the Messiah, the Christ. Again, there's a remnant who would believe, but Israel, on the whole, they've rejected Christ and as... Chapter 10, verse 3 tells us they've sought to establish their own righteousness. And that's what we are doing when we seek to establish our own righteousness. We reject the righteousness of Christ and the cross because I'll just do it on my own. And we negate everything that Christ has come to do to save sinners. They remain largely in disbelief and opposition. I would just, by way of application, may this not be your story today. To whom much has been given, much will be required. It's not a call here really to clean up your life, get it together, although that will come for those in Christ, those good works come. It's a call to come to the one who has it all together, who is righteous. That is Christ, who ten four. remember? The end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. Israel, in large part, missed Christ. May you who have heard today not do the same. And then number three, grab hold of God's hand of grace, lest you perish forever. Grab hold of God's hand of grace. Moms, There, there is some application here. I'm not saying it's the main point, not at all, but there's some application here in this gracious hand of God held out to a disobedient and contrary people. Parents, we could use just that on a, on a side note of holding out our hand to maybe during the day a disobedient and contrary people to, to bear and mirror parents that image of God to our children. That's a challenge. Not really because of the children, because of our own heart. But there's a mirroring there. Not the main point of this passage, some application Dig down to the main, though. May you, Mom, may you, as you all listen, the rest of us, take hold of the gracious hand of God. Though we were not seeking Him, we were not asking for Him, He found us. His word came to us. To quote Paul, He says in Acts 17, The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere. There's a command to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to us all, to all by raising him from the dead. O sinner and rebel, take hold of Christ today. Let me pray for us. Father, again, there are things that could be better understood. Things we could seek to hear better. Your whole counsel of Your Word. Paul uses so much of the Old Testament. And we have some understanding. We're thankful for what You've given. Lord, our our call is not to be accountable for what we don't understand, but what You have given us to understand. That is, in creation, You've revealed Yourself And in your word, we have now, we've heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is going out. It's a message to be heard. Father, I pray for each one of us. Lord, that we would not be like Israel, a disobedient and contrary people. Constantly seeing your hand and then dismissing you, forgetting, growing fat and forgetting you. Lord, may we look to you. May we look then, not to clean up our act but to clean it up really through Christ, the righteous one, the end of the law for all who believe. Lord, I pray none would leave here today having not repented of sin and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And your call for those, those followers of you is to follow you, even if it involves suffering, whatever it would involve, to preach the gospel to others, to obey you, to live for you, to glory in you guide us in this. We thank you for your word and your grace, your gracious hand to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.